What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Man I Want to Be podcast. My name is Keaton, and I am your host. Joining me on the podcast today is my good friend, Ethan Swift. Ethan, how are you? I'm good, Keaton. How are you doing? Oh, having fun, living the dream one day at a time. Uh, two episodes in a row where we have a guest. Uh, Ethan is a good friend of mine. I actually was his youth leader six or seven years ago when he was a little teenager. I guess yeah. you were never little, but yeah so yeah we started as i was his youth leader when he was in high school and then when he went to college we bonded over crossfit mm -hmm. and swimming do you remember when we went to the pool oh i'll never forget it <laughs> i i swim like a rock and ethan swims like a shark and he would give cool. me like three or four laps head start and then he'd catch up to me because he swam so well i was like get out of here <laughs> Uh, but since then, we have become really, really good friends. Ethan has now graduated from college, and he joined the Army earlier this year, and he's in special ops training. So super glad to have you on the podcast. Um, Ethan, would you mind telling our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're currently doing? Yeah, uh, I'd love to. So yeah, I grew up all my life in Colorado, um, going to church, living that Sunday morning church life, you know. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, so as college rolled around, like Keaton said, I found Red Rocks and then from there, that's when he and I became really good friends going through there. Um, yeah, we bonded over CrossFit. I've been in like the CrossFit community for a long time now. It's definitely coaching it's been a while. It's been, yeah, I started when I was 12. So it's been like 13 years. Almost. Yeah. That's when I started doing it. Yeah, I'm not like that was like my sport in high school. I mean, I swam in high school, I wrestled, and I also threw in track. But the biggest thing that I did was I just wanted to like stay in that CrossFit community and that. So that was like what kind of kept me kept me through high school, um, yeah. especially after I stopped after I quit skateboarding. That was like my middle school. It was like late elementary, middle school years was skateboarding, and then realized yeah. I'm not going anywhere with that, and I hate falling. <laughs> I forgot you skateboarded. Yeah, it was a big part of my life. I met some really good friends, had some really good opportunities. Um, I was involved with Skate Church, which was over there by on like, what is that 80th and Carr? I forget the name of that church right there. Is it Foothills? Uh, I don't remember, actually. Anyway, so like right there, there was the Warehouse 180. And it was like known as Skate Church. And every Friday night, they would have like these like because it was an indoor skate park so you could just show up skate for a few hours have a church service and then skate after that so that was awesome that was like my middle school years met one of my really yeah, good mentors. Really cool yeah met one of my really good mentors through that time two of them the past year Urel Lubke and then my buddy Michael Penhale I met through there and then from there yeah I just was involved with that started help volunteering with them we went on a few mission trips this one time we went down to New Mexico and skated on like a Native American reservation. So that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Anyway, yeah. So after that, then I was like in the CrossFit more. And then like I got into college, I started coaching more to help pay for the gym membership. <laughs> Which is like a must. It's a must because CrossFit gyms are like $160 a month. So I was like, I'll coach for you. And then I'll get a free membership and can work out whenever I want. So it was a win-win situation. Amen. Um, yeah. <clears throat> 
yeah so anyway that was kind of the first years of college as i was going through i was going to college at metro downtown yep metro uh, state university in colorado cool. yep go roadrunners go roadrunners <laughs> road <laughs> so yeah that's what i was doing i was still living with my parents um i was working two jobs so i would coach crossfit during the week and then on the weekends i was working at a coffee shop really got mm -hmm. found a love for coffee and kind of that craft so i started working at novo coffee on 32nd and lowell so i was working mm -hmm. there at crossfit gym and then going to school full-time i was during the year and then the summers obviously working more full-time yeah uh, so yeah that's kind of what i was doing in college and then i think big part of my life that really helped change the trajectory of where i was going was 2019 i went on a mission trip to bali indonesia with this church based out of san diego and mm -hmm. going on that trip you know i came back from that trip and i didn't know anybody going to that trip well i knew one person but then they backed out before going on the trip but i was like hey i'm still going i feel like the lord's kind of put me on this trajectory mm -hmm. and went on that trip 2019 and had like a blast it was a mission trip we did do missions things but also at the same time like it was just such a fun kind of like rejuvenating of my spirit you know to be able to meet some of the guys i'd still be some of my closest friends to this day yeah. and it was like the catalyst for what moved me out to san diego so anyway I come back from that mission trip two weeks later. Uh, this was the start of my senior year of college. Mm -hmm. and I got back to my job and I was, I was in Novo and I was talking to the manager, Ryan Soriano. That was my manager at that time. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah, I worked with him. That was a blast. I loved working with that guy. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and I was like, Ryan, I was like, I, was like, I gotta get out of here. I was like, I gotta move to San Diego. And he just kind of mm -hmm. had this look on his face. And he was like, okay, man. And I think like, <laughs> that, he was kind of like, okay, man, that's awesome. Like, tell me about it. And mm -hmm. I felt this so strongly, this urge and this pull kind of in my spirit to kind of go, go forward and do this. Yeah. So obviously I had to tell my parents to talk to my closest friends. My mom was trying to convince me to finish school first and then move out in the spring. And I was like, no, I was like, I gotta go now. And I just had this huge sense of urgency to be like, this is what I have to do. So I switched everything around in my degree. Um, I was, so like I dropped all my in-person classes, hopped to online classes, picked up a minor cause I was doing an extended major. I didn't need a minor at the time. Yeah. And dropped those classes worked it out with my counselors like school counselors and everything to like get this squared away i was like hey these are the classes i'm doing i'm doing them all online and i think it was like that was the beginning of august or like halfway through august and then by september at that point i was like all right and packed up my car like obviously quit my other jobs i was doing the coffee shop the gym and started to drive out to California. My mom went with me as well. So we made that drive to California. And when I got there, didn't really have anything fully planned. All I knew is that like, <laughs> I had, like I knew where I was going to live for like the first part because my other friend on the trip was moving down from Oregon and he had a spot in Northern County in San Diego that I could live at. Uh -huh. So he, he's like, Hey dude, you like, you can crash here for a few weeks until you like figure it out. And I was like, all right, man. So I drove there. 
Um, obviously met everybody I knew at the church, kind of got involved with like their college ministry. Uh, the church uh-huh. is all church, so they do a lot with Point Loma Nazarene University down there. Mm-hmm. So that's where like all my friends went. So I was down there hanging out with them. We were doing like bonfires on the beach, you know, and I was just kind of going about that, getting used to that. And then I finally moved up north and hopped in the room situation with my buddy. And then I was like, all right, well, I need a job. So biggest thing I had at that point was coffee shop experience. So I was applying and then got a job interview, got a job. Later that day, she called me and offered me the job. And that was at that point, that was three days after I'd gotten back after I'd moved to San Diego, I had a job within three days. So I was like, Lord, that's, that's such a blessing. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it was a blessing. So I was going forward with that. And yeah, then was living there. And then my roommate moved down and everything was just like falling in place left and right. And I was like, Lord, this is amazing. And I was dating somebody at the time as well. So that was super awesome to kind of be like, be there present with that and then have like kind of all these things fall into place in my life at that time. So it was it was a huge blessing for me. So yeah, I was and living. You were in still Santa doing Florida. the online classes, yeah, because you graduated yeah. online, right? Mm-hmm. I graduated on time, so luckily it was my senior year, so I didn't have a huge class load. And yeah. online classes are like were like super easy for a history minor, because that's my favorite yeah. subject. So I was like, this is like the easiest thing. So I'll just oh, do that, that stuff in. And then and, what's your degree yeah. in? Remind me what your degree is in, because it's like super cool. International relations, and then I minored in history. Okay. What was yeah. it before? I felt like it was like international so, terrorism or something. No, so that was part of my degree, but I started with criminal justice, but like oh, the main great. focus, but then I was like, I'm out. I, I looked at like the classes for the rest of the years and I was like, I'm out. Yeah. Didn't like the trajectory of it. But yeah, within yeah. my international relations degree, I was able to study abroad in Switzerland. So I lived in Europe for about four and a half months, traveled all around there. Um, yeah. Started to learn right. to speak a little bit. And then it was through that. That's when I like, picked up some counterterrorism classes. So I did like one class, I think it was my junior year about terrorism, a few other classes following that, that kind of talked about the security and counterterrorism and just like the different yeah. political implications of all of that. Yeah. Um, that's right. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. And then my like final senior thesis paper when I was studying abroad was about terrorism in North Africa and kind of analyzing okay. that type of stuff. So that was what I loved to study. That was what I loved to focus on. Yeah. Well, then I, I have a few people I need to apologize to because I told everybody you got a degree in counterterrorism. It's just a class. Never mind. Just a class. Yeah. yeah. Never. My Metro didn't really have the uh, like kind of the resources to do a degree in counterterrorism. I would have loved to yeah. study something like that. Yeah. But, Dude, you know, so you're I, in California. Yep. In California. And then wonderful 2020 hits. Yeah. You've graduated. Was, yep. I graduated May of 2020, like right when all the the craziness was happening. So I was super mm-hmm. glad to be going to school at that point. I never even walked at my graduation. Like at that point in my life, like my main drive and goal was to get into law enforcement. So I was like, just give me the degree so I can apply to these jobs. I was like, so I've never yeah. even, I got my degree in the mail and I never even walked yeah. at yeah. So tell, tell tell everybody about your journey into trying to apply for law enforcement, the DEA, and then how you ended up in uh, joining the army. Yeah. So like I said, like my main 
ever since I was a little kid, I was like, I always knew I wanted to do law enforcement. That was my big thing. And I was like, law enforcement, I was like, military was back there. But I was always like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. But it was always still an option. So yeah, 2020 hits, graduate school. Um, at that point, I had a bunch of contacts that I knew from previous years growing up that worked for the DEA, so the Drug Enforcement Administration. And that was like kind of my dream federal law enforcement agency. I was like, you know, I want to work with them. I want to bust drug dealers and drug smugglers, you know? Mm -hmm. So that 2020, I graduate. I finally get my degree. The prior months, I've been reaching out to the DEA recruiting office being like, hey, like this is where I'm at. I'm graduating soon. What's the process? So send in my diploma, send in my general application. I sent it in, oh my gosh, to probably six or seven different law enforcement agencies, just kind of mm -hmm. like getting the dealers out there. And it was different because I was in another state and a lot of my stuff was still linked with Colorado. So that, anyway, that created a bunch of headache. But so I get in with the DEA, Customs and Border Protection, and a few local law enforcement agencies. So I'm at sitting at like four, four or five applications that finally kind of make it past the first stages. So they send me all this stuff, fill out all these background investigations, which are the biggest headache you will ever fill out in your entire life. <laughs> well, and luckily, like, I was still young. So I hadn't moved a lot, or I haven't had a lot of employment history. So I was just like, it was probably easier for me than somebody who's 10 years older than me and has moved 12 times and had five different jobs, you know, like for me, it was super easy. Mm -hmm. So I was like college, same house anyway. Yeah. So I get all that turned in and don't hear anything for a long time. And I knew federal government takes forever. Obviously yeah, they do. They take forever. So ended up waiting over a year before I heard anything about my job and went and took a fitness test during, during that year, I went and took a fitness test with the DEA mm -hmm. uh, that cause you had to pass that to move on to the next. So I passed the fitness test, went on to the background and then they're like, okay, we're going to schedule you for a polygraph at some point. <clears throat> and so this was like a year later polygraph. So DEA offered me a conditional offer of employment after passing the physical. So they were like, Hey, this is your offer of employment based on that. You pass all of like our, pre-qualifying steps right. so make it to the polygraph exam finally and i don't know what happened i wasn't trying to lie i don't know but ended up not making it through the polygraph stage with that so i was like well that kind of sucks that was like a year of waiting for this job that i've wanted yep. for so long that just didn't work out yep. so I was like, okay whatever i still have customs and i still have all these other jobs customs rolls around make it to the polygraph with them, went and did their physical fitness test. And I was like, Oh boy, that was the easiest thing I'd ever done in my entire life. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of pathetic. I was like, wow. Anyway, yeah, so maybe we need some higher standards. I was like, we need some, yeah, we need some higher standards for these guys. Pass that physical fitness test, go on to their polygraph and felt good going in. Same thing happened as well. I just kept getting blocked in these polygraphs. Um, yeah, and I remember we would talk on the phone about these because there mm -hmm. was one polygraph you did and there, they said you were too honest and didn't know if you would be able to like hold yeah, information or something. Was, Wasn't it like that? And yeah. then you were like, okay, well I'll be, 
I'll be less honest. And then they were like, well, now you're lying. So we can't trust you. And you're like, what yeah. do you want? Is that, if, am I remembering that correct? Yeah, that that's pretty much right. Like the, the DEA guy, it was eight hours of questioning. And I like, all I had to eat that eight day hours. I was there at least six, possibly eight. I don't remember. It was a foggy day. And all I had to eat that day was like an apple and a Snickers bar when he gave me like a 20 minute break to go to the gas station. Awesome. So yeah, he said stuff like that. He's like, the machine's picking up. You're, you're too much of this, not enough of this. It was just really bizarre. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And then like going in, like I had talked to guys, I was like, so like, and everybody going into a polygraph is like, they can't fully talk about it or like the questions that they ask or anything, but they were like, yeah. just, just talk, be normal. So I was like, okay, like I was super nervous going in. I was like, this is my dream job. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Obviously, it ended up not working. So, yeah, that's what they said about that. So then, yeah, DEA didn't make it past that. Customs and Border Protection missed that one. I was like, okay, kind of dodged the bullet there. I don't want to be stuck down at in Calexico or some border port in California or Arizona in the desert just scanning people into the country. Right. Um, then the other local jobs were going through, did the physical fitness tests with them made it past that and then the background comes along and again i just keep hitting these these roadblocks with it and that was it was at least two other agencies that i kept hitting these roadblocks as it came to like my background and i was i was like i don't know what's going on you know and it was heartbreaking for me because at that point i was like okay well i'm living in san diego graduated none of these jobs are working out and still at the coffee shop at the coffee shop i was like what am i doing you know and i'd always i've always wanted to be a part of something greater and bigger kind of than myself and yeah so i was like this is like all i've known i've wanted to do for so long and i just was not making it past you know these these steps and it was heartbreaking for me and mm-hmm. so that summer at that point that was the summer of 2021 i remember it was may of 2021 uh, my last application fell through. So mm-hmm. I was just like, I was kind of bitter towards it as well, trying not to be bitter at it, but I, I was. And yeah. like I, said, I was like super disappointed and frustrated. So, yeah. And for our I, listeners, like, just sorry to interrupt, but for our listeners, you got to like, this is two years of yeah. trying to work on a path that you've always wanted to be on and just getting blocked and blocked and blocked over and over again. And it's like, what the heck for two years? That's a long time two years, man. I didn't hear anything from them. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to keep waiting. And it was kind of, I remember like I could have jumped on any other thing I wanted to do, but I was so worried about getting a new job or doing something else because mm-hmm. I was like, I can't interfere with this, you know? And right. that was my passion. Yeah. Like, it was funny. Yesterday I was reading this book at my friend's house for dinner and it was like a creativity book talking about how to be more creative, you know, a bunch of photography, outdoorsy stuff. And it was talking yeah. about kind of don't follow your passions. And this is also like, if you watch like Prager, you has a good video of like not following your passions because then you're yeah. so dedicated. With micro. Yeah. And with micro. Yeah. You don't follow your passions because then you're so dedicated to this. You steal from other areas of your life and you miss any other opportunity that kind of comes your way. 
Yeah, yeah. Like looking back on it now where I'm sitting, I'm like, I could have done so much more stuff and grown in so many other ways, tried more things if I wasn't like so worried and timid to go try other things because I was waiting for these law enforcement jobs. Yeah. Not yeah. to say that like my time in San Diego wasn't still some of the best freeing, you know, cause I never, I lived at home in college. So I never had like the dorm or the fun college experience. So like those two years in San Diego was it, you know, I went sailing, learned how to surf, got my scuba diving certification, all the fun yeah. stuff. So, but anyway, you also learned, you also got to learn about uh, a little bit of endurance. Absolutely. You get to learn a lot of that stuff that, you know, sometimes w when you're waiting and you're, you're in the waiting, but you're also like eager to go do something. There's a weird tension there that where you learn endurance, but also now you have like lessons to know, like, Hey, I'm not going to just sit here forever waiting. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. You and I would talk about that. I think I called you every week when all that was going on and just yeah. for your patience with that because yeah. uh, I had a lot to learn you know I had that was kind of like my time away from my parents you know mm -hmm. I was just I was in a wilderness but also not at the same time you know I was in this like uncharted territory that I was going through but I was learning so much and stepping yeah. into different things that I had never stepped into before yeah and like you said I learned a lot about endurance and kind of that suffering and Mm -hmm. went through a bunch of different stuff with relationships and learning from that and trying to grow from that and step into those and the fullest they can be. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's spring of 2021 and I was like, well, none of these jobs are working out. And I remember talking to you and I was like, Keaton, I was like, I just want to try multiple different things. I want to go kind of experience life and mm -hmm just try different jobs and do different things. So that like that summer is kind of what I did that I quit the coffee shop job. Um, I was still coaching CrossFit. I got a job doing mm -hmm. that a, a year into living in San Diego. So I was still doing that. Mm -hmm. And it's getting super fit. And I quit the coffee shop job started going and went and did like a manual labor job, which a job, I say manual labor loosely. But it was washing windows in Coronado. <laughs> you were washing, you were washing windows. Because my buddies bought the business, you know, and it was kind of mm -hmm. funny. The guys I moved in with, uh, my buddy Ridge and Owen. Ridge was my landlord. He owned the house we lived in. He was also my roommate, and he was also my boss because he owned the company as well. So that was kind of funny. What a, what a relationship. It was a relationship for sure. So anyway, I, I worked with them this summer, washing windows in Coronado. Tons of fun. I had a blast doing that, you know, outside working with some of my best friends, climbing ladders, climbing roofs, doing sketchy sit, meeting tons of people on Coronado, like these millionaires who have these beautiful homes. You know, if you've ever been to mm -hmm. Coronado, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And then I was still kind of going through this. I think that summer as well, I wanted to, in my relationship with Jesus was like, really look at my heart and kind of get all the past like trauma and past hurt that I've had in my heart kind of out in the open and have the Lord kind of go through and heal that. So that was kind of that summer, like spiritually, it was so sweet, but also at the same time, it was like, I felt like I was getting open heart surgery from Jesus. You know, I was working through a lot of different things 
taking yeah. steps through past yeah. past addictions and going through that and like really learning to build a community with my friends going mm-hmm. forward. So yeah. I was learning all of that and like I'm talking like night you know where you feel so like good throughout the day but then you get in your room at night and you kind of just like like cry yourself to sleep you know I, I remember sitting in my bed just like have my having my bible open to psalms 119 and psalms 91 and and 119 there's the verse where it talks about how does a young man keep his heart pure and it's like following the ways of the lord mm-hmm. and i was yeah. like, i was like meditating on those precepts and the psalms and yeah this is like this is kind of like my cry of this season you know and it was in that time like coming back from all those two years of like failed passion driven law enforcement work that like Mm -hmm. it was really kind of he was healing my heart and in that season he was reminding me that he's always with me you know and that he's there for me and he loves me so it's kind of that like sweet father-son relationship where he's like hey like i haven't left still right here you know like yeah even in Psalms 91, like dwelling in the secret place of the most high, I shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You know, like that's, that's where I felt. I just felt so, I felt so covered by Jesus and so mm-hmm. loved and protected by him that I, yeah. that was kind of my season, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, before you move on to your next season, yeah. dude, there's just some stuff that it, like, I'm just thinking we, you and I have talked about this before, but I mean, this is, this is two years yeah. of confusion. We call it in, you know, we Christians would probably call it like a wilderness season where you're in the desert, mm-hmm. nothing is working. Um, and it's in those times, you know, that I think they're God ordained that when God has something he wants to really build inside of a young man, he will intentionally place him in a desert season where the only thing that he can really do is seek God. You know, um, a lot of us get so caught up in our passions and our ambitions and in chasing dreams, which is, which I'm all for that. But in order to move into some of those, before you get to like, quote, the promised land, you got to go through the desert so that God can instill something in you that actually prepares you for what's ahead. And that's, as you're talking and telling these stories, I can like, I feel like I see it clearer now than when you were walking through it. Um, it was one of these desert seasons that prepare you yeah like that was that was 100 percent it and i didn't know it at the time and yeah brings me back to that you know chad had that you and i have talked about this sermon all the time because it stuck with me so yeah. long that that abel season where he talks about cain and yep. abel um chad at young adults yeah. that was three or four years ago but he you make in front of that bumper sticker where it's like not all who wander are lost you know but as you think about it yeah. before it's like I was wandering, like you said, kind of in this this season in this wilderness of trying new things, dealing with yeah. dealing with heartbreak, dealing with failed dreams, and mm-hmm. you know, I still wasn't lost. You know, it was like what you said, where the yeah. Lord kind of had me go through yeah. these things and learn yeah. His closeness and His fatherly love towards me to help prepare me for yeah. the next season. Yeah. So, so good. There's that story in Acts 16, um, uh, where Paul, he, he's like, I want, he wanted to go to Asia 
Um, and it's just, it's like three or four verses and it says, we tried to go this way, but the spirit of God blocked us. And then we tried to go here, but we were blocked. Um, and he just keeps getting blocked over and over and over again until he ends up in, um, Philippi. And then as soon as he gets to Philippi, there's this huge opening for really effective work. Like a girl gets delivered, a jailer gets delivered. They establish a church, like some really, really cool stuff that wouldn't have happened had he not been blocked from a lot of the stuff he wanted to do. And then later in his life, he gets to go and do those very things he really wanted to do. Yeah. You know, so sometimes God, like, you know, sometimes God blocks us because he needs us somewhere. And it's kind of weird. If you're not a Christian, you kind of think like, you might not think you'll think differently, but if you're a Christian you and you recognize that God is providential in your life and he, he cares about the events of your life. He also cares about your heart and your character. Uh, he will orchestrate some things to make sure that he instills in you those things that you need. And then he also moves you to where he needs you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a hundred percent. So then, yeah. That. yeah. And, I was, and then you join the military. And I joined the military. So that summer and, you know, like month of like August and September, I remember especially were like some of the lowest months I had kind of like, experience kind of like physically emotionally you know i there mm-hmm. was just a lot with like a past relationship that came up and you know i'm like feeling the heartbreak from that kind of again in that that season and i i hit those months where i was like i was r- really wrestling with god you know i was kind of like you know really wrestling and was not like upset but like maybe it was a little upset like concerned like lord what am i doing here like what like, what do you have me doing? Like, yeah. where, where am I going? You know, like really wrestling with God and just trying to find answers and questions. And why does this hurt so much? Yeah. And yeah, it was kind of the, I think it was, I think I called you or you called me and you were like, Hey dude, I want you to come to the YA retreat. And, yep. and I was like, I called you, <laughs> you called me and you're like, Hey, I want you to come to this YA retreat. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I was like, man, if Keaton called me and said, I need to come to this YA retreat, I was like, I probably need to be there. So I, I was like, I trust you enough with that. I've walked through with Keaton enough. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I think it also it also kind of, it ended up aligning with some travel plans you had. It kind of did perfectly because I was already driving out to Colorado yeah. to get a new car. And it was like that weekend. So I was like, I'll just make it a little bit longer of a trip. So this was That's right. Cause I, I didn't know you had those travel plans. Yeah, you didn't. And so yeah, like, right. I remember right before I drove out to Colorado, one of my best friends from Colorado came and visited me in San Diego. Cause he, he also mm-hmm. knew I was in a rough spot and he was like, I just gotta go see Ethan. And I remember one night just like sitting yeah. on my couch and he was there and we were just having like a heart to heart and he was talking to me. Yeah. He's, he's been that friend who knows me so well that he can like call me out on my BS for lack of better terms, you know, like yeah. he can like call me out of kind of the funk you're sitting in and Lord bless those mm-hmm. friends that you have in that life. You know, you as well do have done that as well with me. Yeah. And he's sitting yeah. there and he is like, he's just talking to me. He's like, Ethan, what do you want to do? Like, he's like pulling me out and like really trying to like get me out of this like heartbreak kind of mopey, stage you know where you just feel so stuck but at the same time you don't want to leave because you feel so close to jesus and yep yeah yeah and 
I was like, I was like, I was like, man, I want to be a green beret. And it was like, boom. And it just kind of like opened up this inside of me. And I was like, all right. Like, yeah. And then he left. And then the next day I went and talked to a recruiter, kind of got the process rolling and then drove out to California, was out there with you, you know, and it was, it was awesome being back to Perfect yeah. Creek. You know, I love being there and yeah. being able to be in the mountains and yeah, the, what they talked about at the YA retreat was exactly kind of what I needed. And it was talking about those that wrestle with God, you know, and not leaving mm-hmm. when Jacob fought with the angel and is like, I'm not leaving till you bless me, you know? And that was yeah. kind of that little trip with me. You know, I remember sitting with you and talking and spending time on my own, just with Jesus. Like, like, Lord, like I'm not going to leave until you kind of give me something to do or you bless me with something. And I remember sitting in the sanctuary for hours after the service yeah. talking with you and then you left and I stayed probably another 45 minutes just sitting there just kind of thinking about yeah. life and processing and praying and really having some time with mm-hmm. and earlier that day I walked the back trails up to where like the uh was it the go-kart ring up there like the I think it is yeah, yeah, up yeah. There. and I stood on a platform and you know you're looking out over all of Crooked Creek right there and I let out the loudest scream I'd like ever let out. And like you hear that it echoed all over the out- mountains. And I don't know, for some reason that was really freeing to me. I felt like I got like something out of my chest, you know, it was just like processing yeah. all these emotions I've had for so long. Yeah. Got those out. And then, um, yeah, so we had the, the trip, the time wrestling with God and really feeling that. And <clears throat> drove back to San Diego, you know, had my new car. I felt like I had walked through a door, reached like a, a monument kind of that weekend, you know, where I was like, I got a new car. So like everything that happened, you know, you know, cars are special to you. Everything that happened with that old car, you know, I was like, okay, like that's in the past now. Like all the memories with that new car, new. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go forward, you know, silly things like that, but they still work. But they matter. They're like markers. Yeah, they're they're definitely markers. And I remember that. And it was also that weekend as well that I told my family, I was like, Hey, I'm joining I'm joining the military. And at that point, my family like mm-hmm. my sisters were like relieved. They're like, Oh, thank God he's finally doing something, you know? Because at that time I was like <laughs> running around, they're like, What is Ethan gonna do? And I was like, This is what I'm doing. And, yeah. You know, my it was it meant a lot to my family as well because my grandpa was in the army, he served in World War Two, so I was the only one after yep. that to you know sign up and serve so got back to san diego yeah it was october mm-hmm. october 6th i finally walked in the recruiter's office and sat down i was like all right let's talk contracts and stuff you want to do and when you get to the recruiter they they sit down and they have this massive database and they type in your scores you need to have well the scores you took on your asvab and they basically like match your scores of your asvab to what jobs you would be good at so his job popped up yeah. and it was four-year contract for the army rangers with a $25,000 enlistment bonus. And I was like, that sounds awesome. It wasn't the job I wanted right away. I wanted to work in military intelligence because it aligned closer to my degree yeah. and everything that I studied. But those jobs are kind of few and far in between. And it's like a lottery mm-hmm. system. 
with these jobs. And like, if the contracts fill up, they won't be available till they're ready, which could be months or I don't know, a year. And I was like, I'm not waiting anymore. Yeah. You're like, I already learned this. I'm, lesson. I'm like, I'm not waiting. So I was like, Hey, can I have a minute? And they're like, yeah. And I, I go outside the recruiter's office and I was about to call, about to call a dear, like a close friend of mine. Um, Actually, Luke Gregory, I was going to call him and talk to him about it because he and I had talked. Yeah. But then I was like, then I was like, no, I'm not going to call him. And I was like, do I call my mom? And I was like, no. And I just got this sense of peace. And it was like, you can make this decision on your own, Ethan. You know, like you can do this if you want to or you can't. And and I had to do yeah. myself. But I was like, if <laughs> I was like, if you don't do this, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. And, and yep. I, it was like in that moment where I was like, all right, shoot, here we go and head out there for the and i was like lord and he's like i just felt this like peace and this like this is okay to do this you know like it's time it's yeah. like it was almost kind of time to do this you know and went back in the contract yeah. and boom they were like all right you leave at the end of the month and i was like holy cow so that was three weeks away <laughs> three weeks away yeah and that's kind of what started that started closing this chapter of my life in San Diego and getting prepared mm -hmm. to go on to this chapter I'm in now. And it yeah. was, it was so, here you are. and here I am now, um, out here at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, I did drop the army ranger contract and halfway through basic training, I picked up a special operations contract. There's a difference between the two. We won't go into the whole military jargon, but. <laughs> uh, I'm currently right now waiting to start training for special forces, army green berets right now. So that's kind of the yeah. long road going ahead right now. I am dealing with a little bit of a knee injury, which is such a bummer because that's going to delay my process even further. But you know, at the same time, like who knows what this, this other kind of waiting period can do for me, you know, and that's kind of where I'm. Yeah, totally. Kind of where I'm at right now, sitting, not not sitting around because the military will find stuff for you to do to fill your free time. They're really good at that. <laughs> They're really good at that. But oh yeah, just a, a time for me to kind of like sit and grow even more mm -hmm. as I want and yeah. like really step into kind of the man I want to be and what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we've got about 10 minutes left. So, and I want to ask you that question um, real quick. First, thank you for signing up to serve our country. It's a very noble thing uh, to do. It's a very, uh, uh, a valorous thing to do, a very courageous thing to do. So I, I thank you for signing up to serve. Um, and also uh, something that, um, you know, I just kind of had this thought, like there is a, there's this time to be in the desert and to wait around and let, um, God have his way in you. And then there's also a time to take some action and move forward. And, uh, I think your story perfectly demonstrates both of those. There was a time where God was having his way with you in the desert. And then there was a time to like, take some steps of faith, take some action. And, and you've done that, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to ask you, um, with your, your remaining about eight minutes, yeah. what kind of man do you want to be? Man, that, question is an ever is kind of changing and growing question that I keep asking myself. Absolutely. But I think the man I really want to be and something that I'm really trying to discover inside of me is kind of like the inner 
I'm gonna say like the inner warrior that I have, you know, I grew up a lot kind of very not sheltered, <clears throat> but I grew up in a church and mm-hmm. didn't really do a lot of cool adventures growing up as a kid, you know? And so I think now sitting where I'm at and being in this place where I am potentially training to become a special forces soldier, you know, like I really want to step up to that call and figure out what type of like warrior I'm going to be and what type of protector kind of I'm going to be going forward. I think one from, thing for yeah. me is like, especially to speak so closely in my life is learning not to like kind of back away from a challenge or not to quit when things get hard, you know, and like we talked about Open mm, that, that suffering and that endurance and perseverance you know definitely is huge and it was funny i actually i was when i first got to brag you know you're kind of walking around and you're looking at things and you're just kind of blown away by just like holy cow this is like where everything is and i look at like the special forces insignia and like their logo and everything and it has one of their core attributes it has a lot of their core attributes and one of them is perseverance and for me, that's just it's so much home, you know, because that's something I've worked with. And that's something I like strive to be as a man is somebody that doesn't back away from a challenge, doesn't give up when things get hard and learns how to just kind of live life. Also, like live life to the fullest as well, you know, and um, learn to kind of like what makes my heart come alive, you know, and like I think John Eldridge hits that pretty well in his wild at heart book or even better like the becoming a king book that you've you've talked about as well which is which is awesome you know like really learning kind of how to get your life in order in ways and take ownership of different things in your life you know and learn it's just like for me it's a grand adventure that I kind of, I'm kind of looking at now of like, okay, I'm sitting in this place. I have this so much unknown of what's coming, you know, like what's coming next. I know I'm happy. I'm at where I'm at right now. I know this is where I'm supposed to be. And this is where the Lord has me. And I think for me, this is a time, you know, I had that season of finding Jesus's closeness with me and that fatherly love and that like, he covers me in the secret place. You know, and now I feel like mm-hmm. this is this the season where it's like he's kind of opened the uh, I feel I don't know he's kind of opened the uh, the gates to say and like this is the time for like yeah. him and I to like run together and grow and in different mm-hmm. ways you know and I'm open for that kind of adventure and that journey and I think the man I want to be is one that doesn't shy away from that journey that doesn't. Uh-huh. lose lose heart for that journey you know because it is gonna change and there is gonna be those obviously those hardships and everything but i think where i'm at especially right now the man that i'm really working on being is somebody that can learn to be disciplined doesn't back away from those challenges you know and jordan peterson talks about that so well i, I called you that day and i was like man jordan peterson just like he gets it he's like so yeah. close with things and how he talks about suffering in life and and he relays it to like when Jesus talks about picking up your cross and following him, you know, there's just, he talks about almost such a beauty and kind of the suffering of life that you have to go through and like creates yeah. through you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 
what's that line? He's like, your life is found when you shoulder the heaviest burden that yep. you can and carry. Then you walk up. Well, he talks yeah. about like the was it the Greek mythology guy who gets has to push the boulder up the hill, you know? And yeah, yeah he talks yeah. about taking responsibility over your life and growing from that. He's and that's where you find meaning. That's where he talks about you can find meaning is by taking responsibility over parts of life. So mm-hmm. I think so that is kind of the stage of the man I want to be as of right now is taking responsibility over areas of my life, you know, little things, whether that's creating a schedule, going to bed at the same time, waking up mm-hmm. at the same time every morning, you know, those little things, taking ownership of those parts of my life and learning to know that like when life right now kind of throws this knee injury at me and I might be waiting here until next year to even start training, you know, just like, okay, like how can I grow from this? And, how can I stay the course and yeah. persevere and not get so easily distracted by other things in life, you know, but stay driven towards kind of my goal that I have and this kind of grand adventure and journey with Jesus and how he's going to take me and, you know, kind of mold me and grow me into kind of a man, you know, and I heard this quote, yeah. there's a quote by C.S. Lewis and it's always like really hit home for me. And it says, some journeys take us far from home. Some adventures lead us to our destiny. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one for me because, you know, like for me, I look at this as like an adventure in life, you know, and I'm 25 and Mm -hmm. I feel like my life is coming to a close. Like that's, I'm super dramatic when it comes that way, but it's not, I'm only 25. Yeah, you're not even. Close. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm 25. <laughs> like, what am I gonna do with my life? But I'm like, all right, you need to relax, Ethan. Like, quit being dramatic. You're 25. These are the times to where you try things and figure things out and grow in ways and yeah. mature and just become kind of better with that. So that's kind of the I'm on. And yeah, so good. Hoping the Lord leads me, and I know He'll lead me and guide me and grow me in the world. Yeah. So good. Well, Ethan, your story is inspiring. Thank you for sharing your journey. Um, I really do appreciate it. It's been fun to walk with you the last eight Mm. years and see who you've become and who you're becoming. And dude, I'm proud of you. Um, And I'm excited to continue to walk alongside of you and uh, see where, see where the Lord takes you. Um, Well, guys, dude, you're welcome. Guys, thank you for listening to the man. I want to be podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe, leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend, especially share this episode. If you're under under 30, but even like 25, 24 in that age range, share this with a friend. Ethan's story will be really helpful to anybody in that wilderness season. Um, and if you didn't like the podcast, just pretend you didn't even hear it. And cause that will help us out also. But until next time, this is the man I want to be podcast.